This is the essential guide to surviving humanity with Michelle Frost and Gareth Wax. Today's topic is surviving the self-help industry. Oh, God. I know. It's kind of more my topic, isn't it, Gareth? It's not so much as your topic. As we both know, there's an awful lot of, forgive me, bull dust. Shall we call it that? <laughs> bull dust yes. talked about this topic. I do. I agree. And, um, and, and within the self-help category, we're also including spirituality, self-development, healing, you know, that whole industry. That the whole shebang. Draws us in, yeah. So <clears throat> I thought I would start by listing all the things that I have attempted all right. over the years. Let's just say over the last two and a half decades. All right, hang on to your hats, guys. Okay, so here we go. I have tried <clears throat> counselling, mm-hmm. psychodynamic therapy, Wow. EMDR, mm-hmm. which stands for Eye Movement Disassociation Reprogramming. Wow. Yoga, meditation, mindfulness, NLP, shadow work, systemic constellations, tantra, psychosynthesis, psychodrama, soul rescuing, hypnosis, reiki, reflexology, past life regression, Five Rhythms, Dance of Awareness, Contact Dance, Cuddle Workshops, Card Reading, and I think that's it. Oh. My. God. What I haven't tried yet is... There is stuff you haven't there tried? There is, is psycho, okay. psychedelic drugs. So that would be my next step, which is ayahuasca, which is um, frog poison ingestion, I think it's called. What about just straight LSD? I mean, that's the classic, isn't it? I haven't tried that. It's true. So oh, I've stopped. Oh, oh. I have stopped at that point. But I think that list is pretty impressive. So, guys, listeners, all right. She's tried everything, and the next step is psychotropic drugs. Wow. <laughs> just, just saying that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm looking at that list, and I'm thinking, what have I actually achieved? What did I even want to achieve? All right. Let's start there. What was your goal? What was my goal? I think. Initially, there came a point when I thought, this person that I'm looking at in the mirror, that I'm seeing behaving towards others in relationships, with my family, at work, that's not really me. Give me a timeline. When was this? Um, I think everything was going really well until I came back from Japan, and we kind of touched on that in another podcast. Mm. So let's just say I was... Guys, if you, you just... Sorry, just to give an advert for that. That is a ram stanking podcast. You've got to check it out. You've got to check it out. That was all to do with media. That will that will make your toes curl. I reckon I was mid twenties to late twenties. Okay. So, sort of something about getting to thirty. I mean, when I look back, I was so young. But there's something about getting to thirty. I think it was about then. And I thought to myself, I want to find out who I am other than the person that was defined by my parents, my upbringing, my religious background, um, my conditioning, my education. Sounds like you kind of created a capsule about yourself. And at that point, you suddenly realised, do you remember the Truman Show? Yeah. Like he suddenly became self-aware and he realised he could step outside of the dome. And you decided you want to step outside of the dome, right? Yeah, that's a really good way of putting it. Self de I would say sort of deconstructing the self is, okay. is what it's about. Now if you look at any of these self development kind of workshops, retreats, what they what they're selling is this is an opportunity to find out who you are, what is your higher self, and we'll come back to that because I know it's not an easy one to assimilate necessarily, but 
you first of all got to you've got to become at one with the idea that there's different parts to yourself other than the obvious conscious yes yeah so what well, absolutely because there's so much working on an unconscious level mm. so i think a lot of <clears throat> a lot of this is about bringing the unconscious to the surface to the conscience so you're looking at um your habits your behaviors um your way of being um what triggers you and we'll come back to that as well um you know what triggers you and then you're saying to yourself well if i know these things if i know if I'm more self-aware about my patterns, then when a red flag pops up, for example, if you're going into a relationship, that red flag is going to be much more obvious. So it kind of helps you to then define new goals, to have more control of your destiny, to feel much more positive. It's about self-confidence as well, because you're going, this is who I am. This is what drives me. This is what excites me. This is my passion. And then I think it is about sort of going, let's create a new Michelle, a new goal, a new authentic self. Can I put the case for the opposition very briefly? Please do. The problem with becoming so utterly self-aware and so able to pinpoint your every red flag, as you call it, as they come up, is you so you're so much focused on over-analytics. So rather than just accepting life en tout, what happens is you start breaking it down into little subsequent parts and start worrying about their interdependencies. And that breeds one thing and one thing only. Uh, Begins with P and ends in annoyer. <laughs> Paranoia. I wouldn't say that that was the result. I would say I would have moments of epiphanies during mm. some of these many, many workshops that I did. Okay. Some spoke to me, some didn't. Okay. And these epiphanies were normally about what came up in that episode that we talked about is this deep self-esteem issue, this deep sense of self-doubt, which was kind of based around fear and stopped me doing, and I think still does, stop me doing a lot of the things I really wanted to do. But let me just point out the fact that here we are now, how many years back after after you had this initial epiphany that led you on this path? 22, let's say. 22 years of this? Yeah, well, yeah, off and on. Mm. So I kind of thought it was in like a couple of years. All right, 22 years, I'll, I'll, I can live with that. So over 22 years, and yet you still find things trigger you like crazy. And, and by the way, I love this woman. <laughs> I absolutely adore her, but things trigger like crazy. Sometimes... Uh, because I am me, and thank God, or whoever it is, thank dog, that she's got to the point where she realises I don't do things maliciously, and she kind of assumes that nothing I say is ever malicious. But I would say a word, and, and it could cause her to run out the house tearing up. Mm, yeah, and I think I would say that's changed with us. Well, it's only because you love me now, mm. and, and you realise nothing I do is malicious. It's just because I've got no filter. Mm. But... That can be a benefit because it means that when you ask me a question, you know I, I give you the unvarnished truth, which is a double-edged sword. I would have thought, this is not about me, this is about the fact that you've been through all these different things, which are supposed to give you an easier reach into knowing what's coming, mm. almost uh, an ability to second-guess yourself before it actually arrives, and yet you're still falling apart at the seams, given the right stimulus. Well, I would put it another way. All right. So I think in the past I would have swallowed that feeling when I felt in inverted commas, criticised, judged, whatever it, you know that impact had on me. Whereas now I would say I'm trying to be much more authentic and go, that ouch, that hurt. 
you know, however you take that, and even if it wasn't your intention, I probably now am more honest about when people push my boundaries a bit. So you're reacting at the time rather than swallowing it and, yeah. then, and then churning over it later, yeah. doing that thing that Heather once said to me about like swallowing the poison and expecting the other person to hurt. Yeah, and going to some massive sulk and you and you going, what was that about? And I'm going, well, you know, in 1997, <laughs> you said something to me that really hurt. I'm not speaking to you anymore. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, I think um, I'm probably more... Straightforward. Well, then that's what in pinpointing things and benefits for having gone through those 22 years. That's one we've got one down, we've chalked one up. Yeah, all right, yeah, that's a benefit. Mm -hmm. Which one of those many therapists allowed you to get there, or is it a combination? I would say actually Tantra. Tantra, Tantra is all about boundaries. It is normally working with the opposite sex, but it comes into friendships too. It teaches you the language of yes and no, and for me, no was a massively difficult word to use anywhere with anyone really yeah just to say no either <clears throat> i don't want to do that i can't do that i'm not available and a lot of this was you know back to my mother but i was constantly people pleasing i was a classic people pleaser to the point that i guess no one really knew where my boundaries were so they felt that they could take advantage but then we're also asking themselves why is she prepared to do this for me when you know this is a totally unreasonable request for example so i would say that's something i have really really learnt my yes and my no were you ex always expecting the other person to know when they were overreaching their boundaries and to pull back rather than you having to point it out to them yeah and, and no one can you know they often use the example of children and if they're if a child is not given a boundary a no they're kind of scrabbling away not knowing mm -hmm. where you know they need a no they need a no to have a sense of safety so i think i really had and reassurance yeah, it makes them feel better about yeah, themselves that there's someone in charge that looking after them and that is absolutely that reassurance and so i remember and i'll just very quick anecdote but at a me um, it was a, a workshop let's say called meeting without masks and it was a tantra-based workshop. Twelve men, twelve women. I you didn't have to do that cross-legged thing, did you? I, I can't do that. That lotus thing. You didn't have to. No. You didn't have to float around like yogis or any of that no. stuff. There was a lot of dancing. Oh, dancing's good. Yeah, and there was a lot of um, men going to one end of the room and the women to the other. And the men all said what they love about women, and the women all said what they love about men. And the men always said, also said, what they find difficult about women and vice versa. And Hang on. Surely that would have taken an awful long time. It was a day-long workshop. Yeah. And then the men would sit in islands and the women would come round and say um, what they loved about men and what they found difficult. So that was one part of it. The exercise, I remember, all the men were lined up on one side of the room and all the women on the other. And you were faced with whoever happened to be in front of you. And it could be someone that you really was not attracted to or someone oh. that you were. And I remember the facilitator saying, you will come in and you will scan the room and you will decide which man you think is your perfect man or, you know, or more likely you'll dismiss half of the men. And we want this workshop to be about giving a chance. To is that men. no lighty, no likey? <laughs> it was very much more don't judge, you know, by the appearance. So anyway, this exercise involved a man. So we had. I'm have to. You have to show you the gesture. Is I'm now putting my hands up in a stop gesture. She's doing like a patter cake thing. Yes, and the yes was uh, open palms. My arms. By the down. sides. Yes. Right. Yeah. Okay. That was yes. And the men would stop more moving. The men would start moving towards the women. And at any point, you could just stop them. Right. 
So even that exercise for me was incredibly powerful because I could say, no, you're, that is about as far as I want you to come. And then you'd open it when you felt a bit more trust, you'd open your arm, uh, palms again and they start moving towards you to the point where some men may just, you know, there's no, I didn't feel any need to create a boundary and that would work both ways. And then we sort of, it sort of moved into touching. And again, I remember being quite repulsed by a certain man when he touched me, but I couldn't say no because I could see how needy he was and how much he was enjoying it. So there's, it's an interesting for me. Hang on. So hang on. You end up doing the exercise really to, appease him yeah and this is back to wow. the people pleasing thing yeah. I was just highlighted it you know it was like yeah, but you're kind of like again. making yourself a vessel for his enjoyment completely, in a bizarre completely and when you say it in those words sorry it's it's true there Gary it, it really hits home that is what I had done for a lot of my life you know it's, well it's, it's bollocks it is so I would like to say that that's stop not... me if I'm getting too technical no no <laughs> well, I would like to say that's something I no longer do you know, I no, just, I, I yeah. can. I, and you know that. Yeah. All right, that's number two. That's number two. We've got two strikes now. Yeah. Uh, in terms of what I achieved from this. Yeah. I realised this is a bit what you mentioned earlier on is that I tend to, and I know you're going to laugh, overanalyze everything and constantly in my head. She does. I'm trying to work out what everyone else needs from me. I can't make decisions. I'm weighing everything up. I'm a Libra. Oh God! And, Please um, no! Don't bring don't bring star okay, science okay. into this. But I'm constantly weighing everything up. Yeah. And so, I think you're a person who's been manufactured to be this way in part by your education mother. and my mother. I, yeah. Insert yeah. so expletive before. Yeah. Um, yeah. Because I, I was always. Trying. I don't think the star science had anything to do with this. I think your mother had everything to do with this. No, but I'm the way this the, the weighing you know the scales thing feels very all right well okay you can take that yeah. analogy if you wish yeah so trying to sort of weigh up um others needs my needs what's the compromise all of that and interestingly i had had a lot of therapy which involved self-analysis you know and analysis um so a lot of head stuff is what i'm saying i would say my epiphany the biggest epiphany number three okay was realizing that i needed to move my body moving my body and discovering that actually a lot of this trapped emotions, trauma issues was actually trapped in my body. And if my head was sorted, but my body wasn't, then that's only half the job done. Are you referring to some sort of exercise? It's called Five Rhythms. And that's ah, my... the famous five rhythms. Yeah. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, maybe that's for it because that could take me half an hour to explain. No, no, but for, for, the, for, the, for the listeners, just give me a, a thumbnail sketch of what is Five Rhythms. Mm. So discovered, created by Gabrielle Roth in New York in the 1970s, so around that time where, you know, free love and all Sounds that. Sounds very hip. Yeah, very hip. She was a dancer, broke her leg and thought was told she'd never dance again, was given a, a year in her workshop and told, look, just, just move and see what comes up. And she looked at the rhythms of life, birth, death, the, the weather, nature, and she com came up with five specific rhythms, which were flow staccato chaos lyrical and still and they all have different rhythms as you can imagine the flow is very feminine staccato is very edgy masculine chaos is release and out of that comes a gentle creativity which is lyrical which is a sort of skippy irish <laughs> dancey tunes i'm sorry i've 
created many things in my life and I've never done them to an Irish jig but okay we're moving on <laughs> so it's kind of light-hearted and then still is where you bring back all the four rhythms back into yourself and I guess it's a very sort of meditative you're still moving but the music's much more a lot of this is world music so you might have some chanting or uh, and so that's called a wave and in a five rhythm session, you have a facilitator who's dealing with the music. He's also walking around to see what the what's the sort of energy of the community. He's not night. giving scores out of ten for creativity or anything. <laughs> no. no, no, he's literally going, okay, these these guys need to be no fun. Yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> no, they need to be. They're all a bit too comfortable. They okay. need to be, you know, pushed a bit. Okay. Or he might going. Actually, today it's really quite a sensitive group, so I'm going to just, you know. Yeah, yeah, I get you, I get yeah. you, like a yoga leader or something yes, similar. Yeah, exactly yeah, yeah, I like get that. You. And so you do two waves, and I was. It took me maybe two sessions to go. This is it. This is it, because the sort of goal, and there shouldn't be a goal. It's not about a goal, but what you feel sometimes is this absolute transcendence where you are, and it sounds really wanky, but it's. Um, you feel at one with the music. You are no longer self-conscious. You are just this moving being. It's kind of a bit like what you mentioned. You're seeing yourself. I'm actually, for once, completely with you. Let me describe something which is vaguely similar. And using my favourite person to talk about, which of course is Heather, my wife. Heather used to be completely free when she used to dance around, when I used to perform in Ibiza and all the rest of it. And after a couple of incidents, because she become heavier and people have pointed it out to her and it made her shrink back into her shell and for years she'd been stuck and we would go together to places i'd perform she'd hide in the corner and then she went to tom's sober rave do you remember i do they do you remember brilliant. and it's a he actually follows a lot of the ecstatic dance but do you remember watching heather when she danced mm, mm. suddenly she was dancing again mm, mm. she didn't care anymore she wasn't worried about what people were thinking of her she was just lost in the dance yeah and that to me was pretty much what you're describing it is and you know a lot of that is about tom and his ability to create the right environment and space and his ability to really have this amazing energy that makes people feel very very actually unself-conscious he's just free you know yeah free and playful and it's a very playful thing another part of five rhythms and then we'll move on is that you uh, actually do are encouraged to do partner work and for me initially that was a massive thing and you're not kind of dancing in a romantic way. You're being faced with someone's often, if I'm honest, weird dance <laughs> coming towards <laughs> you. I want to dance with you. And you're going, you've got a really weird dance. And you're doing your, which you think is very cool, dance. And initially, again, because I was a people pleaser, I would start to do their dance. I feel oh. actually slightly nauseous. So you start, you start doing the mirroring thing, yeah. but actually not enjoying it yeah, at all. Yeah, sort of almost a rapport building, uh. which I actually do. And then I was taught this gesture, which I'm doing now, which is a sort of prayer. I've got my hands in a prayer position, and you do a little... Is that, is that like a namaste type thing? In this context, it's you're saying a gentle no. It's a gentle no in the context of five rhythms. You've got to put your hands together and tilt your head forward. Yeah, it's not something that's used very much, but it's only if you really feel either this dance has gone on too long with this person, so you're kind of saying, you're, you're sort of saying, I'm withdrawing from the dance. It's also someone's coming towards you, you, you do this gesture. Does anybody ever get pissed off with that? What happens is that because the, f- the floor, if you like, the five rhythms field he sometimes calls it this this circle that you're in is a microcosm of life what you're experiencing is it rejection 
a kind rejection and you're also experiencing what it's like to say I don't want to dance with you I don't want to enter into uh, a dance with you and that could be relationships or you know anything in in life so it was really powerful for me and I also then just I learned to dance my dance where someone else was dancing their dance and that was okay so if you can see were you ever rejected I have never been rejected but um, a man did do the, the prayer gesture sort of when we'd been dancing about three or four minutes and I was really enjoying dancing with him so it was like a moment of oh but nothing like it might be before you know I accepted that there was a clarity to that that's what I loved it didn't knock you over you didn't later on turn it over in your mind and say why why did he make that (laughs) gesture at me no I mean what's nice is you go every Friday so you're tending to see the same people and learn about them where their boundaries are okay and I had some great juicy dances with one particular guy who uh what's a juicy dance look like it's when you're utterly in the flow with someone and you know um it's so hard to explain but they have exactly the same rhythm are you exactly mirroring each other you're kind of and i'm gonna say this you're kind of grinding up against them a bit it's really close there's a lot of eye contact yeah, I mean, it's sexy. It's very sexy. It's a and, sexy dance. Yeah, so oh, okay. so there were the three of those, and there were a few of like... Did people have to disappear off for a few minutes <laughs> just to um, ensure that quite, they were not saluting so much? It can get quite fruity, let's just say. Maybe not as much as salsa, but... Are there babies on the back yes, of Yes, there are. There are couples. So, and couples. People and, getting married and, and babies. And do people stay together if their dance alters? Almost more than anywhere else, I would say. These wow. are very well bound, bonded people because they're just so into the same thing. Okay. Yeah. So, so do people, once they've coupled up, do they carry on coming back? Yeah, with their kids. And hang on. And then are they allowed to dance with other people? It's very strange. Absolutely. I mean, if they if they weren't allowed... Oh, isn't that like cheating, though? No. Because I would go in and see people having really close-up dances. You're rolling around on the floor. All rolling kind of, around yeah, on the floor. Twined. And I would then see them dancing with someone else and go, oh, I thought they were a couple. It's really... It's great because you learn about possessiveness. You learn right. about jealousy. You learn about uh, you know, letting people... Your, your partner does. Once you're new to it, do you do you get absorbed into the whole relatively quickly, or do people kind of welcome you in? Is it kind of like that? Incredibly welcoming, and you're not. There's no spectators. That's the rule. So oh. you either don't come or you, you dance, dance or you get out. Yeah, I do notice, and it's not surprising that men find it much much harder to really kind of free themselves on the dance floor. Now we're living in a world where it's very difficult to generalize about sexes. Yeah, yeah. but in this still in this whole arena of what I've been talking about the average is two men to ten women I would say that's about the average five rhythms becoming a bit more are you serious yeah, yeah. so if I was to go to five rhythms there'd be millions <laughs> of women there yes there would millions of women very beautiful why didn't tell me people what the hell is going on in my life I think People have been taking. But I have no problems with going up to women and dancing with them. No. no but I think there might be a lot of praying going on it when I come close to them. I suddenly everybody will be number staying at me. Someone got banned because he was coming in and praying on women, and that's also something that you. I didn't mean that kind of praying. I mean like not. praying as in oh, as in put, making a prayer. <laughs> Anyway, I think we've spent a lot of time on five rhythms. I'm yeah, at- but okay. So the point was of the whole fire rhythm reductive uh, explanation was to find out the point at which you've 
found your your part. Yeah, that was where I went. This is to some extent because even that can get a little bit monkey. Um, I'm allowed to say that. I am allowed to say anything. Um, there's no exclusions no, and here. There's a little bit of you know, like lots of places. There's a little bit of um, what do you call it? Exclusivity. You know, a little bit of um, yeah, I know, cliqueiness. Cliqueiness, yeah. And I often felt because a women's group came out of that. That's uh, the even go there. But I, you know, I yeah, often, I remember that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I went into the women's group got very quickly out with a women's group. Um, so there's always a little bit of. I don't think that's the last time I've ever heard of women excluding women. It's very common. It's very common. But and I hear that. I mean, I only hear that so much in men's groups. Men, it's like yeah, men. We men do men things, and men together. But women seem to absorb you, but then behind your back, be catty. Something comes out. I've no idea what it what it is. I've no idea what it is. There's a natural, it's probably either upbringing or it's... Yeah, there's a natural competitiveness. There is. Um, and I think that's the main thing. There's a need to sort of really emote. And it can be, for me, a bit self-indulgent. That's the main thing. I felt this is very self-indulgent. I uh. much prefer groups with mixed... Uh, genders so um, feels a bit more like real life yeah and that's the whole thing i mean you know as the facilitator will always say can you integrate your learning from self can you integrate your learning from five rhythms into the real world and actually that's quite hard how can you be so unselfconscious that you move around in a way that is so free and yeah. so you know yeah yeah un- unbound somehow putting five rhythms to one side dancing and music that appears to perhaps in part be your salvation. Mm. And what that I haven't mentioned is that um, in the release part, you realise people cry, people scream. I mean, you know, it goes to those places. It's pretty because, full on, is it? Yeah, because we are confronting in our bodies some old stuff, some old trapped, blocked, blocked so much in our bodies. And when you start to release to that extent and you have the permission to cry and scream and shout for joy it's incredibly liberating and i've never done anything like i've done my cool dance as a teenager you know sure. <laughs> but this was we've all done our cool different. dances as teenagers yeah, yeah. trust me yeah i think movement is the answer we're not really talking about that so much but if i you know my passion now is thai yoga massage because i think it is very much about getting into blockages and it's also about dancing to music and facilitating, okay. creating a safe place. And movement. Yeah. Okay. I think I'm still really glad that I did all of those different workshops. I think there is a danger of becoming... Even the ones that were shit? Yeah, completely. Joking apart, you think that perhaps the voyage of discovery was the important thing. Almost the... The destination wasn't important. You just had to get through all those parts to get there, yeah? Yeah, and to be honest, I don't think that any of them were shit. All, all of them had some, even if it was just one thing that I took away. Right. I remember doing a workshop. Sounds which expensive, is, though. Yes. Which is called The Language of Love. And oh. really, all we talked about was a little bit of dancing and cuddle workshops, I remember. But it, all it was talking about was love versus fear. Fear is all about cortisol, it's the stress hormone, it's the anxiety, uh, it's the fear. Fight or flight. It's the fight or flight hormone. So we are living that on a constant basis at the moment. So our discussions were about how can we, okay, let's just put all of our energy into things that we love and are joyful. And that is oxytocin. That's um, It's the other side of the same coin. Without fear, love 
is never quite as enjoyable. Yeah, and of course that's the whole dichotomy that we mm. were looking at. But I just so that first part, the first honeymoon section of any relationship, where you're never quite sure whether you're being understood or actually understanding, and it's all that uh, is it or are they or aren't they really quite adrenaline rushing? Yeah, there there is that, of course, and for some people, I mean, for all of us, some fear, people live with that shit. And fear is a useful thing because it you know, it's a protective. It's yeah, something that it makes means watch out. Yeah, but more than anything, we were looking at the hormones that we are allowing ourselves okay. to you know to be. Um, manifested so okay so we're coming to the end of part one Mm -hmm. so what can we what can the listener expect from part two in part two i am looking at some of the literature around this some of the what i feel are um, people that are abusing people's vulnerability again yeah and as you said extorting ridiculous amounts of money we're looking a little bit at the sort of gurus the shetties of this world yeah the charlatans and the ones that really should not be running these kind of things because actually it can be dangerous and then we're going to come to a conclusion about i guess what i feel is where i've come to almost full circle in terms of where i think my we'll come back to this number one guru all right so guys keep listening because shit's going to get real this has been the essential guide to surviving humanity with michelle frost and gareth wax (laughs) 